Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst-case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Chilean coup d'etat of 1973. Here's what you need to know. At the beginning of the 20th century, Chile was still a largely oligarchic society with a ruling class that neglected the economic and social needs of Chilean workers. As moderate political parties failed to introduce meaningful reforms, popular discontent grew and revived the Marxist-inspired socialist and communist parties in the country. In 1969, this rise of left-wing politics formed the leftist Unidad Popular Coalition, 
which nominated Salvador Allende as their presidential candidate for the 1970 election. Born into an upper-middle-class family, Allende had received his medical degree in 1932 from the University of Chile. He participated in the founding of Chile's Socialist Party in 1933, served as Minister of Health and Welfare, and was a senator for four terms. During the 1950s, Allende introduced legislation that established the Chilean National Health Service and first program in the Americas to guarantee universal health care. In 1970, Salvador Allende won the presidential election with a slim 36.3% of the vote. His election was confirmed by Congress on October 24, 1970, and he became the first Chilean socialist president on November 3, 1970. Fearing Chile's path toward nationalization, which would affect the United States' financial interests in Chile, President Richard Nixon and U.S. policymakers quickly promoted an economic blockade, preventing Chile from getting credits from international aid associations like the World Bank and the IMF. As promised throughout his popular campaign, Salvador moved quickly to socialize the economy, particularly Chile's copper, which was mainly owned by the United States government. By this time, the United States had $700 million of investments in Chile's important resource. Socialization of the means of production spread rapidly and widely throughout the country. The government took over virtually all the great estates of the ruling class, turning the land over to the resident workers. During his presidency, Allende created the Kimantu Publishing Initiative, which helped print and put into circulation books and newspapers, Classics of world literature like Mark Twain, Flaubert, Stendhal, Maupassant, as well as Chilean and Latin American literature flooded the streets as Chileans began to read literature, philosophy, and other works ordinarily regarded as not suitable or of interest to the working class. In order to ease the transition towards socialism, Adenda employed Keynesian measures to hike salaries and wages thus pumping up the purchasing power of the middle and working classes. Rising wages produced a boom in consumerism, and Chile had to rely on imports to meet demand, which was difficult due to international blockades. These issues led to a series of demonstrations and strikes led by transport workers, truck drivers, shopkeepers, doctors, and students. President Allende still had the support of many workers and peasants, and his electoral coalition won 44% of the vote in the March 1973 congressional elections. Nevertheless, opposition was growing within the Chilean military to overthrow the elected president. On the morning of September 11, 1973, the Chilean Navy, under the direction of José Merino, took the port of Valparaíso, north of the capital, and the army, led by General Augusto Pinochet, bombed several of the city's television and radio stations. President Salvador Allende was secluded in La Moneda, Chile's presidential palace, along with his bodyguards. Within hours, the army announced that it had taken control of Chile. Realizing the extent of the military's conspiracy against him, President Allende addressed the Chilean people with one final speech. Workers of my country, I have faith in Chile and its destiny. Other men will overcome this dark and bitter moment when treason seeks to prevail. Go forward knowing that sooner rather than later, the great avenues will open again 
and free men will walk through them to construct a better society. Long live Chile. Long live the people. Long live the workers. Refusing to surrender or escape, President Allende shot himself as bombs rained down on the presidential palace, thus ending Chile's democracy and ushering in 17 years of dictatorship under General Pinochet. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. On September 11, 1973, President Salvador Allende refused to surrender to General Pinochet. After giving a final speech to his country broadcast over the radio, President Salvador Allende died at La Moneda, the presidential palace, by placing his rifle under his chin and firing. The gun had been a gift with an inscribed message that read, quote, to my good friend Salvador Allende from Fidel Castro. In general, Augusto Pinochet's 17 years of authoritarian rule, nearly 4,000 political opponents were assassinated or disappeared. In the years following the coup, an estimated 40,000 Chileans were tortured under Pinochet's brutal regime. General Pinochet died in 2006 without having gone on trial, and more than 1,000 legal cases alleging human rights abuses during his rule have yet to be concluded. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi, everyone. And our very special guest today is comedian, actor, and writer Beth Lapides. Hello. Hi, Beth. Hey, Rebecca. <laughs> it's so nice to be here. We're so happy to have you. Um, I, I just want to let our listeners know, Beth is also the author of, and, and narrator, I should say, if you prefer an audiobook, of So You Need to Decide, which is your latest book coming out. Yes, it's out. It's out. It's Beth. out. It's an original audiobook, which is like a brand new format. You know, people, it's, it's like people are like, let's skip the print. Go directly to audio. <laughs> You're breaking new ground. Yes, always. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the audiobook? Well, the audiobook is about decision making and it has, you know, it's funny people, but it is, uh, and it has funniness in it, but it is a serious book about decision making. We cover work, family, love, spirituality, and moving. I do a deep dive into my story with Uncabaret and the decisions around that. And um, there's people, Bob Odenkirk, Margaret Cho, Phoebe Bridgers, uh, uh, um, Julia Sweeney, so many, uh, so many favorites. Wow. Yeah. So fun. Scott Frank, who wrote The Queen's Gambit. Ooh. There's all cool. sorts of people in it. Yeah. And so big decisions and how people made them. It's very, I've had people tell me that it's funny, um, compelling and helpful. Those are, and I love that people are finding it helpful because the people who are in it really, I mean, it really is a, almost a vulnerable book, I would say. People have been mm. very vulnerable in it and really Aww. shared what it was like to make these big decisions and mistakes. Um, so, you know, the good stories and help. So that's the book. Eight I and a half hours it. of it. Wow. Nice. <laughs> and you can get it everywhere audiobooks are found. Well, I mean, I'm sure after... Everyone finishes this episode. That's exactly what they're going to do because mm -hmm. they're going to fall in love with you. Um, and we'd like to start off the show, Beth, by saying, asking our guest, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is something 
that's keeping you up at night? What's really keeping me up at night is exhaustion from from not sleeping enough. (laughs) (laughs) What a cycle. You know, I would say there's so many things to choose from. You feel like you're at a giant buffet with that question. Mm -hmm. Should I have the worried about education in America? Or should I have the great divide? Or should I have the environment? Mm. Or should I have... Mm. And I, you know, of course, you know, women's rights and the right to choose and the diminishment of that keeps me up at night. That might be, you know, education, women's rights, the polarization of America... I'd say those are. In the, <laughs> sounds I could like, run through those. I could yeah. run through those. It sounds know? like what's alarming you is that you don't know which alarm to pick. Right? <laughs> so, so many things. Well, I've done a lot of work on worry, and um, the idea that worry is like the, I think the thing that really helped me. Two things have helped me really with worry, despite my awareness of all these horrible things. One is the idea that you really never pick the right thing to worry about. Like I really, when I was married uh, in a what seemed like a good marriage, and I always worried about who would die first, mm. and then the relationship. I never even worried once about divorce, right. and then that was so that really I think about that a lot. Oh wow! And then um, somebody said to me once, you know, worry is like prayer in reverse. And that really stuck because I've really looked a lot about, you know, how everything is, a you know, everything is waves. We're all, everything is waveform. So your thought is waveform. Your thought, I mean, I'm not being like super, it is woo woo, but I'm not being like super like, it just, your your mind will create things. (laughs) But the way you think does create a reality. So I think the hardest thing is to be aware of the problems. And then at the same time, and this is about decision making, Mm -hmm. you know, decide that you're not going to let these concerns turn into life-altering worry where you feel like you're actually helping to create the problem by your attention on it. And I think that's like the hardest, that's the thing that we're really up against because Mm. we are really in a place where we are given the opportunity. There are giant shifts happening. The whole pandemic was about deciding that we're going to live in a different world, given a chance to like sit it out. Yeah. Anyway, now I'm getting a little soapboxy. But anyway, I think that's something that's going to really resonate with our audience because we, we do worry Mm -hmm. and, and you know, our, our whole theory is like, let's, let's, Let's try and channel all of that worry into learning, perhaps. Yeah, I love that. That's so brilliant. <laughs> yes, because you have to know. You can't just – it's so key because you can't say, oh, I'm going to put on a blinder and everything is just roses because right. you have to take action to change it. I mean, if you convert your worry into action, that's really the best thing you can do. Well, Amen. I'm going to actively transition. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was into, nice. You don't even need to. I mean, that was great. No, no. I'm into this, you know, ter- terrible tragedy. I mean, it, it's it, this is a big one, and there's a lot of layers to uncover and a lot of um, things to discuss and to put up on the board. Um, and I just wanted to start off by talking about something that really struck me when I was learning about this topic is that this. This is kind of off topic, but this is Chile's September 11th. Mm. It took place September 11th, 
Okay. Yeah, you see that the first thing, I mean, you guys sent me such a nice little study packet. And that was the first thing I noticed. You know, the date just like pops out like it's neon. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it, this is, I found this to be wild. It also took place on a Tuesday. Mm. Mm. So I don't know if there's something going on with September 11th, Tuesday, September 11th being particularly. Mm. <laughs> Can I tell um, you my theory scary? about it? I have a theory. Yes. Okay. So, I, I, again, on a super sort of, you know, metaphysical level, um, the towers were really an 11. When you look at the towers, they form an 11. And what the 11 is, besides being, a, you know, a magical number in and of itself, which would, you know, also bring you to the idea that this might be super important if the tragedy, anyway. The idea that we were knocking down this duality, these two towers that stood separate from each other, that was a picture that um, I always have thought that's part of what it is. Besides the hubris of going up into heaven, you know, mm. the the idea that these the, you can stand separated from each other is sort of we see a picture of that, and so Tuesday. Mm. brings oh, a highlight to that. You see what I'm saying? I see the yeah. two. You, you, the two, you, the you two, held the up two. two twos. Even though, even though there was a third building, though. And, you know, but I mean, yes, but the yes, picture, yes. the picture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's my so, theory, Rebecca. Well, wow. look, it, it, it's, we, yes. <laughs> it's should a theory. We, it's a theory. <laughs> we should put, what should we put up on the board? Just throw up just the date. Sip, the date yeah. As yeah. to blame. Let's start with that. And Let's, I'm going to give you an eyewitness account um, by uh, that th of that day, this was by American Dan Sh Sheehy on a fellowship during the coup. Uh, Smithsonian in uh, this came out on Smith Smithsonian Magazine. The now infamous Golpe de Estado, the coup led by Chile's Army General Augusto Pinochet, had begun. On the hurried walk to my apartment, I passed small groups of camp campesinos, farmers, headed toward the city center. I learned later that they were on their way to defend President Allende, whom they saw as a champion of disenfranchised people such as themselves. Many of them would die. From the window of my third floor apartment, I watched Hawker Hunter jet fighters fire missiles at the downtown area where the presidential palace, La Moneda, stood. On the street, Carabineros, National Police, and military were out in force. People rushed to the neighborhood bakery to buy food, whatever they could find. The military declared a 24-hour curfew. So mm -hmm. it seems like this these must have been such it must have been such a scary 24 hours mm -hmm. and 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 time. I can't imagine what that must have uh, and, and yet this feels like one of those tragedies where it happened 50 years ago and yet it feels so topical like we were For sure. discussing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that your government every you know could be just crumbling in in a matter of hours. It feels so uh I think um I mean, I guess I'll just speak for myself, but here in America we seem so shielded from that. Like it, it, there's like this idea that that would never happen here because we're this, you know, advanced society. And that's, you know, we're leaders globally for, for whatever reason. I feel like there's this sense that we're immune to that. And I feel like very recently that that sense of comfort has been really tested and it's been very eye-opening. Yes. From January 6th on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you exactly. know. Exactly. 
So I feel like we should start off by putting the CIA up on the board. CIA. Yes. They've got their fingers. Yes. Yes. Something. Now, in 1970, the CIA's deputy, deputy director of plans wrote in a secret memo, it is firm and continuing policy that Allende be overthrown by a coup. It is imperative that these actions be implemented clandestinely and securely so that the U.S. government and American hand be well hidden. That same year, President Nixon ordered the CIA to make the economy scream in Chile to prevent Allende from coming to power or to unseat him. That's crazy. Just that's crazy. Uh, I know. <laughs> A Senate Just committee. That that yes, go memo on. exists. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's pretty clear what they were trying to do here. Yeah. A Senate committee was convened in 1975 to investigate U.S. covert involvement in Chile during the 1960s and 1970s. Peter Wynn, the New York Times, wrote in 1975, the committee report traces a decade of clandestine United States inter interference in Chile's internal affairs against a backdrop of increasing economic dependence, financial indebtedness and military ties. Once Salvador Allende was elected in 1970, the, the Nixon administration tried to reverse the electoral verdict by promoted a con promoting a congressional or military coup. These, mm. when, when these efforts failed, the United States worked with Anami's Chilean opponents to destabilize the leftist government, undermine its democratic road to socialism, and create the preconditions for the military takeover of September 11th, 1973, economic crisis, social conflict, and political polarization. Why would... <laughs> it's, why, a, why, it's, why a why it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot. What are we doing? Why, why are we in there? Why Get out of that? there. You know why we're in there. We're in there because of the that the the mines, copper, the copper mines, Co capitalism, capitalism. You and know there was that. Why, uh, I know this is silly, and 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 the, this is a silly thing to say. Perhaps a very obvious thing, but American imperialism, right? Okay. Why are we? Why do we have land? Why do we, why do, how come we get to get the money from the land? I, <laughs> right. What's up with that well, what's from standing, other people's well, land? What's standing in our way is the, the protections that those countries have against foreign invaders, right? And what if, and why can't they protect themselves? Well, if their government isn't strong enough, if they're not rich enough, they can't put up proper uh, blockades to prevent American interests or American companies from going and mining or doing taking advantage of whatever resources. So they cherry pick, I guess. I don't know. I'm it's all kind of over my head, but it just seems really shady when you think about it. Is it partly so? It's the copper, and then is it also partly the fear of the socialist government? Yes, yeah. the fear well, of. <laughs> I mean, just the fear of having, I mean, the, the, in what I read, there was like this whole thing where they were printing books and like, you know, they're distributing books out in the street. And maybe, you know, what America is so afraid of is the education. Mm. I mean, it just seems to me that one of the worst things that's been happening is Betty DeVos and, mm. you know, her dismantling of the American educational system, which is the thing that then divides people. So, you know, you have here a, a socialist government, if I'm saying that correctly. I don't know if it was fully socialism, but yeah. 
you know, saying, hey, what about people reading? Wouldn't that be great? And, you know, mm-hmm. here's some classics for free. How do you, why don't you have some books? And people yeah. who don't usually have access to the books broadening their horizons and realizing yes. the injustices that they might be enduring. Yes. Well, and, and on top of that, it's the idea that in a socialist uh, country, the land would then return to the country, right? To right. the country itself. So they would be losing on all of the profits, right? They would be losing, there would be massive loss. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in my learning of, of, of this, you know, in researching this, I learned that, you know, the governments, um, they, it wasn't like they were just like, okay, well now the land is ours. Now, now we're, we're, you know, buy, buy to your money. They would essentially do a good faith offering of like offering to buy the, company essentially from these governments but what they would do is they would base how much they offered you for the company what they thought it was worth based on the taxes that they had paid to the country and of course all of these american you know uh uh, uh everyone's like working the numbers right because right. they don't want to pay the proper tax to the country that they're taking riches out of its own land right and so it was almost like a uh a, a, dare i say a big f you to that's genius <laughs> oh that's genius i love that and of course they were like no we don't want that instead we'll just meddle in your uh politics <laughs> in your government <laughs> and uh and put a you know <laughs> Uh, fascist, fascist government. All right, um, so the CIA goes up on the board, right? Yeah, they're up For there twice. They're up twice now. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Is <laughs> it the CIA yeah, or yeah. maybe the CIA? Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> well, while we're talking about you know uh, American uh, leaders or, or you know Henry Kissinger and uh, Richard Nixon should also go up on the board. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is according to Peter Kornblatt, who spearheaded the effort to declassify more than 20,000 secret documents that revealed the role of the CIA and the White House in the Chilean coup. This is uh, according to Democracy Now! Henry Kissinger really is the not only the key survivor of the policymaking team of that era, but truly when you go through the declassified documents that are laid out in the book, the Pinochet file, you see that he is the singular most important figure in engineering a policy to overthrow Allende and then even more to embrace Pinochet and the human rights violations that followed. There were people inside the U.S. government pressing Kissinger not to take this course, and he completely shunted them aside, pushed Nixon forward to, to as aggressive but covert a policy as possible to make Allende fail and to destabilize Allende's ability to govern to create what Kissinger called a coup climate. In the new edition of the Pinochet file, we have the actual transcript of Nixon and Kissinger's conversation, their first phone conversation after the coup took place, in which Nixon says to Kissinger, quote, well, our hand doesn't show it in this one, does it? And Kissinger says, quote, we didn't do it referring to direct participation in the coup. Quote, we help them, he says. I mean, we help them, which I am sure is a reference to the CIA, um, created the conditions as best as possible. So there's... He admits to creating the conditions 
for a coup. Yes. And this is the first conversation between Nixon and Kissinger after the coup. I mean, they're basically laying out the role of the United States, setting and uh, creating a coup climate in Chile, facilitating the, clu- the coup. Mm. It's all about information, misinformation, propaganda. You create enough chaos and confusion and you can kind of take advantage of things, you know? Mm-hmm. R- yes. Reminds, reminds me of like, if you ever hear ba- Steve Bannon talk about his philosophy about like news his whole thing is just like everything just put just put everything out there it doesn't matter how, it. matter true false indifferent whatever just clog up everything to make it as chaotic as possible um which is as we all remember about the whole you know when when trump was elected it was all all this fake news and all these you know people forwarding memes on facebook and that was a huge the misinformation campaign was a huge um, one of the reasons why he won in 2016. Makes and you the, wonder what other, <laughs> like, where is this, where could this be happening right now that mm, could be meddling that we're just not aware of and it'll come yeah, out 20 whoa, or 30 years from in now? Our country, in our own country. What do you mean? Yeah. There's the whole Russian... <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, that, I mean... But when will this, you know, it's like, you when know, does this stuff become declassified that we're like, really? Damn, that's what was going on? Like, we just, we're not, we're not privy to this information. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that too. Like, how did this? De- how did all these documents get declassified for the Chilean situation and Pinochet file and all that stuff? I'm kind of curious about how that happens too, Clayton. I don't really know. Um, You're a mo- fact checker too, so I mean, yes. you don't know. <laughs> yes, if you don't know, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get my team on it. Honestly, I gotta have them working overnight and. Um, We'll get, we'll get down to the I, bottom. I of guess it. I, I have a guess. I think yes. after a certain number of years, things can be declassified, sure. and I think a journalist has to go in and like ask for it to happen, or somebody has to ask for it to be declassified. It's not like an automatic process. Gotcha. I think. I guess I could be wrong, but no. Christopher, you you can tell. I'm me. He's it on it. Now. He's literally t- <laughs> tapping away. Well, there's like the freedom. Of, is it have anything to do with the freedom? Of, Freedom of Information Act, where you are allowed to like, we, everyone has a right to request. But I don't I guess know. I don't know. Clayton, is, we're I getting know. we're getting too specific. We're getting over here. our head here. <laughs> we need, a, we need an expert. We need our oh, guest God. expert. Um, I, while Chris is looking that up, I also want to put the United States anti-socialism slash communism sentiment up on the board. And uh, Beth mm. was kind of uh, touching upon this earlier. Um, this is again Peter Kornblatt, um, Democracy Now. The whole world was watching what was happening in Chile. It was something new and vibrant. The La Vie Pacifica towards social change, not armed revolution to bring fundamental change to the third world country, but democratic revolution in which the people would vote and institutions would gradually be changed to spread the wealth equally and to nationalize resources so that the U.S. copper companies and corporations like IT&T couldn't suck the money right out of, out of the country. This was an exciting new model of change for Latin America and the world. That's what made it so dangerous for Nixon and Kissing the Nixon and Kissingers of the world. Mm. So mm. I'll go on. SBS Australia said President Nixon and his Secretary of State Henry Kissinger had been nervous about Allende since well before his election in 1970, as they knew his socialist policies would harm U.S. business interests like copper mining. 
But they also wanted Allende to fail because they were very afraid that the socialist experiment would be successful and would encourage other left-of-center parties in a variety of Latin American countries to try the same thing, bring about socialism by democratic means. The U.S. definitely wanted the economy to fail so that the military would overthrow Allende, says Dinguez. They promoted an economic blockade, preventing Chile from getting credits from international aid associations like the World Bank and the IMF. Mm. Um, So this is... uh, I I think this is around the same time as the Cold War, right? Well, it's sort of residual... Cold War, uh, Cold yeah. Cold War, yeah. Uh, th- that's in, yeah, that's definitely baked into the cake here. I think we're all they're all afraid of communism, uh, and it's complicated, right? Because I mean, when when I think of communism, it's like I, just being of a, a Cuban descent. You know, it's it's complicated. Mm. Um, so I, I'm not of the of the camp that's just like okay communism is communism is perfect socialism is uh, you know perfect whatever um but this does feel like it's very different than what happened in cuba where it was a uh in cuba it was more of a, a, a armed insurrection right versus here where it was through a democratic process sure right well how about the fact that castro gave him the gun that's uh, a weird yes. connection between and cuba I- and and this situation here yes and i wonder if this his relationship with castro also contributed to you know perhaps this is something we should also put up on the board because in in 71 right after uh pino uh, i'm sorry Allende is president castro goes on this month-long tour of chile oh and Mm. you know this is He's there to just visit this experiment, this socialist experiment. Mm-hmm. And it, it's clear that the two leaders are friends. Mm-hmm. And it was also like a big exhibit of, of, uh, two of the two of them coming together, like to show the world essentially. And yeah, I'm sure for the Americans. Well, they're certainly underdogs, you know, they're, you know, they're going against America, which is a powerhouse, right? But once they join forces, I think America probably gets more nervous. Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and in a way, uh, the, the, uh, because at the end, this whole thing was that he was trying to get everyone on board in his own country. Right. Right. Um, There was, you know, uh, uh, economic inequality uh, and he had to kind of do a lot of convincing in order of the middle and upper classes to kind of get them on board. Um, And when when this when when Castro comes into uh, comes to visit, it's like they all they got scared, even within its own country. The Mm -hmm. people. We're like, okay, well, then we're next. We're going to be the next, you know, Cuban He's gonna take our property. situation yeah. over yeah. here. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so that also caused a lot of tension within the, its own country, right. which then creates an environment that yeah. is... is uh, it, was a, it was a heavy lift yeah. for Allende, right? Like, he had a lot to do. I mean, he had to convince his old people. Um, so not easy. 
So are you going to put fear on the board? Yeah, I was Woo! just thinking that. Just fear. Just fear. <laughs> yeah, fear like, campaign, fear mongering, just fear. Yeah. There's just a lot of fear in this story. Fear, fear, fear. I also th- yeah, there's also a... a um, uh, yeah, fear of like tr- a trend. Like I feel like America was afraid yes. that this was going to have a domino effect, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that that classic like um dominoes falling uh if one country goes communist or socialist or whatever then another will and then another after that everyone so fear of new fear of new trends maybe or mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. also change fear of change fear, fear of change. Change. change fear of change and oh. also fear starring mark Wahlberg and reese that's a good, <laughs> great that point. too excellent that point too. um <laughs> uh the just to go back to the cia the cia uh uh, assigns a declassification date. Its default is 10 years. Um, after 25 years, a review is automatic except for nine exceptions. And I'm sure at, at 50 JFK. years, two exceptions and classifications beyond 75 mm. years require very special wow. permission. So hmm. it feels like they can kind of make their own numbers up there. Whatever they bit, want. But, <laughs> right. They're like 10 years. It's just but, yeah. say it's something else. I feel like this one's 25. I don't know about you. I don't know. Like I feel like people shouldn't really know about this. Right. So let's we reserve the right. <laughs> uh. um, I, I want to ta- discuss something that I think is also very topical. Um, the, and it's under the Chilean economic crisis at the time. Uh, this is according to historian Tomas Moulin. Uh, the crisis had two elements. One was the salary hike carried out by the Popular Unity government, uh, which generated an increase in demand as a consequence, hyperinflation. Mm. But this increase in demand has to be put in its right context. It was an increase in demand in a country whose imports were restricted right. because of an international conspiracy forbidding exports to Chile and because the country did not have enough foreign reserves to obtain goods necessary to satisfy domestic demand. But in addition to the wage increase, there was a second fundamental element hoarding mm. the government Gosh. uh-huh this is giving that? me anxiety giving me PTSD. <laughs> I know. okay the government we still have like 15 packs of ramen from, <laughs> from we have lentils first... lentils yeah. which no... <laughs> no one's eating that from the first week yeah. okay so the government tried to deal with this through the supplies and prices board but it achieved only partial success. The conspiracy was too strong and hoarding played an absolute decisive role in the coup. Shortages accumulated and soon people began to queue for food and the popular popular unity government's popularity began to decline. Mm. That meant that housewives and homeowners had to spend a large part of the day standing in long lines just to be able to buy these items they needed for their daily lives. That created anger and anger uh, fed the political opposition. This came to a head with it, with the October strike, which lasted a month. It began as a regional strike, but it later became national. Transport workers, truck drivers, shopkeepers, both small and large retailers, doctors, high schools, and university students all participated. The interesting thing is that the trade unions did not formulate specific labor demands. Instead, the main slogan of this strike that strike were overwhelmingly political. It was a strike that sought to create chaos so that the government would be forced to resign. Interesting. Mm, chaos again. Uh, chaos. Get chaos up on the board. Yeah, we don't yeah. do well with chaos. I, I Yeah. Chaos creators. 
kind of feels like oh i like that because yes and it's a part of nature to have chaos chaos is always going to be part of it but the yes the manufacture of chaos Mm -hmm. manufactured chaos oh that's 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 gets better (laughs) it's getting better and better i kind of want to blame lines i mean when you were saying that i was like yeah it's the lines nobody likes a lot There's no express pass to these lines. I'll tell you, we used to live in New York. L.A., the lines are much shorter. The lines in New York, I mean, for everything, all down the line. You have long lines. Starbucks. But imagine if you're in a pla- uh, you live in a place where you're not used to lines. At least in New York, if there's a line, you're like, okay, I know what True. this feels like. True. Yeah. Well, but- and so usually you're going to get to the end of the line and get what you need. You might, you know, you, rarely do you get there and they're like, yes. sorry, there's no more. That's the, that anxiety. Yes. Right? And it, 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 imagine every day you wake up and it's it's you have to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Scarcity, very, scarcity, yes, scarcity. We're very lucky in this country. You, I will say, um, despite our checkered history with South America, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I do, we, you know, I, at least I am, and how mm-hmm. I was raised, I feel very privileged to never mm-hmm. have to have that fear and anxiety about. Be having to eat. Well, we well, got a taste recently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even so, you know, you're in the supermarket now here and it's like things are still, I mean, the supply chain is still so iffy. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, there's still so, it's, they don't have the exact mm-hmm. thing I want. There's yeah. so right. much other food. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah. oh, this brand in the, in right. the low fat, in the, yeah. you know, it's like. <laughs> they have my moon pies. Eat that. You know they what? have my oatmeal moon pies, so I'm, right. I'm good. It's like, oh, I can't have the, uh, you know, uh, bolognese sauce I I said I was going to, you know, make tonight. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, just make mac and cheese instead. Mm. Yeah, just get with it. (laughs) Now, I I have to say one last thing so that, you know, we don't get a bunch of mad emails because we don't mention this. We have to put up on the board General Augusto Pinochet and the Chilean military. <laughs> uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> because yes. we haven't brought it up yet. <laughs> um, uh, and the, uh, this is again, uh, according to Jacobin Magazine, it was Salvador Allende who appointed Augusto Pinochet to replace uh, General Carlos Prats. Although he did so following regulations and according to military ranks. Pinochet had been, until then, a constitutionalist and a defender of Allende's government. But after his appointment as commander-in-chief of the army, he joined the conspiracy already being organized by other generals, such as Gustavo Ley and Jose Marino. And as we, you know, know, Pinochet turned out to be a a dictator, essentially, mm. um, you know, more than 3000 people went missing after uh, after he came into power. So many people died. Um, the uh, economy was uh, terrible in Chile. There was a lot of suffering under this uh, government. So put him up, Pinochet. put him up on the board, <laughs> put him Pinochet. up. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah. But obviously, I mean, isn't a military takeover the thing? I mean, I just live in such fear that to me does keep yes. me up at night. I mean, a military state is a scary phrase. It's a scary, scary. And, you know, as a Jew, um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just so I remember after one of the hurricanes reading some story, you know how you f- come across some story on the web and then you can never find it again. And he's sure. like, <laughs> did I really read that? But I did read a story about it was after Katrina 
and it was like families being separated, like the women were in one place and mm. in the Red Cross s- cities. And I was like, oh, my God, are the are all the n- catastrophes happening in art? You know, I, I, they're targeting places where there's arts and, mm. and oh. they're separating family. I mean, I had like that to me is, yeah. you know, that to me, that's where I do really do try to not go. But if we're going to talk about what we think might really be happening, you know, what's the problem? Certainly mm-hmm. mi- just military. You could just, yeah. can we just say the military? Yes. Put them up on the board. Up. They're up here. They and are up here. I mean, is there anything else we want to throw up before we start crossing things off the list? Did we, I'm sure we forgot a million things that the guest expert is going to well. Wag their should, finger at us. Should we put a Yende <laughs> up there himself? I mean, he's obviously Ooh, the victim, yes. victim of the coup, but at, at, at the same time, you know, uh, did he do everything he could to um, successfully um, usher in this um, image, is uh, this uh, idea he had of yeah. it for his country? Interesting. Sure. Interesting. I mean, if if yeah. you're in charge, you got to. Uh, it's possible that you bear some responsibility. At least know where the military is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or build a good relationship. <laughs> this is a very good point from the fact checker. <laughs> Sometimes uh, he really comes through. Well, a blind dog gets a bone every once in a while. <laughs> like they say. I mean, it should, it should be stated, like, Allende wasn't a perfect leader either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were, the, the, com- the country was going through an economic crisis at the time, right? Should we also this talk is- yeah, that's true. <laughs> you so know what? Also- go, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, sorry. yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go on, Beth. Go, Beth. Well, you know, I noticed who's not in this story at all is any women in the story. So we <laughs> could... <laughs> We could actually just blame men. We could oh, just, oh, we could just blame men. Not you it's guys, true. but just See, men. I thought you were going to blame women there. I thought you were going to blame women. Oh, yes. Awesome. We'll yeah. blame men. We'll blame, we'll blame the lack of women. <laughs> Look, I mean. Yeah, just blame men. Just, I like just I like men. Well, the male-dominated, I mean, the male-dominated culture, which doesn't yes. allow for, you know, a more... A, I mean, to leave women out does leave equality out. So if yes. there's no women in the story, Im- immediately you have something that's uh, out of balance. So sure, yeah, and, and you, uh, yeah, you have like a male perspective, a male approach, which is very a machismo, specific. A machismo yes. kind of attitude. Maybe machismo might be the mm, culprit, not ooh, men. Machismo. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yes. G- look, gender diversity is so important. It's so important. Get, the lack of diversity, we might say, yeah, rather than men. I like that. I don't like to. Bl- I'm, I'm not a blamer of men, but I'm just saying in this story, yeah. there are. <laughs> yeah, you just happen to I, notice not, all not the names. Not a lot of women popping up <laughs> here. Of, uh, be- <laughs> there's not a lot of Bettys. There's not a lot of Janes. I'm going to leave both men and machismo on the board, and we'll talk it out as okay. we cross off because okay. I feel like they deserve a place. All yeah. right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll start crossing things off the list. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And we're back. Okay, who's to blame for the Chilean coup d'etat of 1973? The date 9 11, the CIA, Henry Kissinger, Richard Nixon. The United States anti-socialism slash communism sentiment, Allende's relationship with Castro, fear of change, Chilean economic crisis, manufactured chaos, General Augusto Pinochet, the Chilean military, President Salvador Allende, men, and machismo. Okay. I love how you spelled that, by I the know. way. <laughs> um, I, I, literally, <laughs> I was like, is that how you spell? And then I checked it and it was like machismo. No, it's with an I. It's with it's an I. It's because it's so cheesy. It's yeah, like, but it should be with two E's. <laughs> I, the, I love the new spelling. Please don't change it. I think everyone okay, should great. spell it this way. Yes. Okay. It's revolutionary. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I feel like just right off the bat, we should take the date off. I'm not a conspiracy believer. Not that that would be a conspiracy. But I mean, a lot happened. It's in just unlucky. For, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> to think that all of that like came together by uh, a date that they like really uh, to to quote Bethram earlier, uh, your ter- use of the term woo woo. It seems like it yeah. could go down that path. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah, also yeah. something can be a contributor without being to blame. Yes. There could Correct. be a vibration that makes it possible. And yet so it's not at heart. That's the kind of pesky rationale that our experts often say when we ask, <laughs> when we, when we, 
when we all ask them to narrow it down to one thing to blame, look, we're making a podcast here, Beth. You can't you can't pull the string of that of that sweater because the whole thing kind of comes undone here. Okay. Okay. So all right. So, but we appreciate it. We appreciate okay. it. <laughs> And uh, sounds like everything else is to blame as I'm looking at the list. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, this is going to be tough, but I feel like we can start folding things into one another. Sure, sure. Um, like the, uh, again, this relationship with Castro is really more about the United States anti-socialism and communism sentiment. I would agree with that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I and, love your and- organizational thinking. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I want to blame, we got to get Castro in there. Uh, in the I mean, Alana as much show. as you want to blame Kissinger, wouldn't you have to fold Kissinger into Nixon? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Or Nixon into Kissinger. But, you know. Well, Nixon. Yeah. He, what do you think, Clayton? Who was the puppet and who was the puppet master? It yeah. feels but, like Kissinger was the puppet master. Yeah. It I feels. Agree. I, I agree. So, I think everyone agrees. Yeah. So, so let's let's fold Nixon into okay, Kissinger. Okay. Now, Pinochet, the Chilean military. Oh, this is so hard. Well, an easy one is like we can either fold men into machismo or machismo into men. Right. <laughs> and maybe fold them into... <laughs> Let's the fold Chilean men into military. Or- I agree because oh, yes. it's, it would be possible for a woman to have a machismo. You know, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I also feel like we can uh, fold the Chilean economic crisis under uh, Allende, right? Because he kind of he did mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fear of change. I just feel like. Manufactured chaos is so good. Fear of change can be folded into the United States anti-social communism sentiment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, Pinochet, I, I, it feels like he was the chosen one by the all of the players, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't seem like the the. He doesn't seem like the mover. He seems no. like he was a. Yeah, he seems like f- further down. He feels like he was chosen to be the 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 face, right? And then was super evil. Yes, but not necessarily to blame. Right. I just feel like there are stronger powers at be here. Like mm-hmm. he just happened to be in that position of power. So when the yeah. military took over, he was like, "I'll lead the charge." Yes. And then you know, just it does seem there. like you know he had a really long uh, rule. Uh, as the dictator, and we could get into that, and, and right, but, but this seems like a it wasn't like he was meddling all along. It seems like there right. are so many other contributing factors. That, Maybe me, there's information we don't know that our guest expert will shed light on. But yes. for now, I feel like we just don't have those facts yet. All right, mm-hmm. I'm just so, going to cross them out. Yeah, let's let's fold him into the. I'm going to request permission from the CIA to view those uh, files. <laughs> Thank you. That's what Chris is doing. He's actually sending an email right now. Sorry. He's texting <laughs> the CIA <laughs> on my other laptop on the dark web. It's uh, untraceable. <laughs> so we have six up on the board that are uh, good. I don't know how we're going to get here, but uh, the CIA, Henry Kissinger, the United States anti-social uh, anti-socialism slash communism sentiment manufactured chaos the chilean military and president 
Salvador Allende himself. I, I feel, feel that's like, like blaming the victim. Yeah, and yeah, I, I yeah. feel like we can't take him off the board just because it, it, it feels like it was more of the CIA, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps, perhaps we'll never know how his government, if, if it would have been successful Look, right. or not. You know, I'm thinking about the CIA and America in terms of like high school cafeteria, right? You know, there's this girl and she has all the social capital. She's the mean girl, right? Mm-hmm. And like you just, you either want to be on her good side or you just don't want to be seen by her. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like the CIA, Chile got, got, got their attention. And when you have their attention, you know you're in trouble. Um, and so um, oh. there's something. Uh, you're that, saying CIA is the mean girl. Yeah, I'm saying the United States is the powerful uh is this powerful country in the West. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stay out of our you want to stay in our good graces at that time, don't ha- don't be talking about socialism, mm-hmm. don't be talking about taking away sort of uh you know, these these uh interests, these um these yeah. economic interests in your in your country. Um, um, or what about just to mix up this uh, metaphor, what if instead of mean girl, it's like the CIA is the lunch man or lunch lady and you don't mess with them because then they mess with your food. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, you know where my mind went. I'm thinking of The Bachelor and it's like when you're a contestant on The Bachelor, you don't want to get. And, and if you're one of the lead, you know, you're up. You, clearly, he likes you. You don't want to get on the bad side of the villain of that season right you know because you get negative attention drawn towards you. <laughs> the problem with this though is who cares what the lunch man or bachelor person thinks like you're your own you know you should be able to oh make, yeah no look it's a, ter- it's a terrible metaphor I, I, <laughs> I, I do not stand by no, it why have we been and i'm not the writer here beth's the writer she should have stopped me long ago she, th- th- this is on beth like if i had to blame <laughs> We found who to blame for the episode. Yes, <laughs> you made it so easy. <laughs> Maybe oh, I am also to blame for the Chilean coup. I oh, mean, <laughs> why I didn't we know, put but... me on the list? <laughs> That's why we brought you here today. Actually, explore all options. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I feel like though the CIA is being told what to do by Kissinger, right? Kissinger does seem very uh, fixated on this. They thing. don't. I mean, do they just? Uh, they well, got to have some kind of. Uh, I'll tell you some something that I right? once heard about Kissinger, if this helps at all. Uh-huh. Apparently, he tried to get his kid tickets to uh, Saturday Night Live. And one would think, you know, and they were they were like, no, you know, you bombed. Via, you know, it was you. You're mm. the one to blame. They were like, no, Kissinger, you're the one to blame. Your kids can't come to Saturday Night Live. Now, oh, if Saturday Night Live is willing to blame Kissinger, that might be a reason to or not sure, to. Yeah. But I just yes. want to I just want to share that he was blamed by. Warren Michaels uh, and the Saturday Night Live production staff. That's a very interesting little factoid. That is. That is. I, I, you, you know, I, I say let's, I mean, especially we're in the comedy space. We are in the comedy space. So let's respect our forefathers. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Right. But here's, here's the thing though. I think bigger than that is the United States anti-socialism communism sentiment, because that, 
was that that, that lasted was, for oh. a much longer time. Mm-hmm. We're talking. That, and yes, you're saying that fold that the CIA and Henry Kissinger fold into that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Because that's true. Yeah. Because Kissinger's main issue, obviously, was that it's a model that could be insidious. He said. Okay. Model I don't effect. think he should be allowed to have Kiss in his name. By the way, it's always bothered. <laughs> yeah. How can someone so evil have the word kiss in their name? Yeah, I think I'm ever, every time I get close to Rebecca and go in for a smooch, you I think say of Kissinger. him. You think of Henry Kissinger? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it ruins the moment every time. I'm sorry. Um, so if, if that's what we're doing, then we have to figure out who we're going to give the big slap to. And my feeling is, I feel like as much as I like manufactured chaos sure i feel like it's a tactic that has been perfected by the cia in latin america and south america mm-hmm. okay and and perhaps is now being it's just like the perfect way to start a coup i guess you manufacture chaos you you let people fight amongst themselves and then you take advantage of that yep yeah um but Which is really scary. It is scary. But I, I mean, I think you can kind of roll that manufactured chaos into the uh, sentiment, right? Yep. And and then you get to slap the military who actually yes. completed the coup itself. True. They were the ones who actually did it. It wasn't mm. the United States who bombed the, you know, Chilean. The Capitol building or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the um, White House. Their White House. Right. La Moneda or whatever. Um, they what, did it themselves. So, what do, you, what do you think about that? I like that. What do we think? I, I don't know what the big slap is, but it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Just both feet dive right in. I don't know yeah. what I'm. I don't know what I'm signing up for, but give me two tickets. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it sounds. It's a big old slap. We're gonna line up, up the entire it, military. Yeah. No, we. The big slap is a big slap right across the face of okay. it. It's like the second I like prize. Because it. yeah. it's All your right. fault. Exactly. Second it's like place second runner-up, essentially. Runner, runner, I see. First runner-up. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to call it. The Chilean military, you're getting the big slap. United States anti-socialism, communism sentiment. You're going to the alarmist jail. And we, we did, did it. it for now. Wow. We did it. How do you feel, yes. Beth? Yeah, uh, You us. know what? I... I can't wait to come back and blame other people. Oh, <laughs> nice. a lot okay. of fun! I felt good about the this. Bug. Yeah, I caught the bug. I caught the blame bug. <laughs> Beth, I mean, I can't imagine anyone else we could have done this with. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know? I, 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 I feel honored. I feel honored to have been part of this brain trust. Yeah, <laughs> good time. <laughs> well, uh, you know, again, and and uh, all of our listeners. Please uh, download Beth's new book. It's an audiobook format, yeah, right? Not, yeah, mm-hmm. I keep calling it an audio. It's an audiobook, guys. Do you prefer a book or audiobook? I, at the beginning of the uh, when we weren't recording, you didn't. You said you didn't have a preference for how we pronounced your last name. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer how? <laughs> do we call it a book or an audiobook? You know, I think it's important to call it an audiobook because I keep hearing from people that they want to read my book, oh, and I okay. keep telling and they people. Can't. And they can't. Okay. And then okay. I have to be negative and go, I wish you could, but, you know, but it's so my original audio book. Well, and, you know, they're going to love it because it's it's you narrating. So mm-hmm. please download. So you, so you need to decide. And uh, Beth, we look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you so much. After the coup. 
General Augusto Pinochet became the dictator of Chile. In 1988, Pinochet agreed to a national referendum on the future of Chile, and a majority of Chileans rejected the continuation of his dictatorship. Democratic elections were held in 1989, and in 1990, Pinochet stepped down as President Patricio Alwin Azocar was sworn in as Chile's new leader. That year, Salvador Allende's remains were exhumed and given an official burial. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Additional writing by Anastasia Kousakis. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Turpin House of Horrors. Erios. Powered by ACAST. 